Listen, brace yourself. God is wanting to speak to you and to I today. I want to share some things today, really, because we have been going through the series in the book of Job, and the book of Job is a story of hope. Now, there are many parts in the story that are quite depressing that might lead us to think, well, it's not that whatsoever, but really, it is a story of hope and a story of blessing that I think you and I can connect with. Because I think we need to take into account this very special verse that we find in Job in chapter 42 and verse 12 when it reads this way. The Lord's blessed Job in the latter part of Job's life more than he did the first. In light of that verse and within the context of within his whole story, may you and I see something different because in light of that verse, we are looking at the key things to having a blessed life. What marked Job for having a blessed life? What was the reason that God blessed Job? And why did he do that? Last week we talked about, actually a couple weeks ago, we talked about refusing to give up. Never give up on a God who has never given up on you and me. Last week we talked about this. Stop making excuses. Because sometimes we make excuses in life and we need to let our exercise and our growth make the difference in our life. And God created you and I with purpose, with intent. He had created us with a purpose. And in light of his purpose for us, may we be living out that purpose and may we be diving into the action that God is calling us to do. This week, we're going to talk about another key to blessing. And it's really this, listening. Dramatic pause for effect. Did you see that? Okay, all right. This is what preaching looks like, okay? No, listening, listening. We struggle with this, don't we? Because we fill up our ears and our, our minds with entertainment and with things all around us all the time, and it's hard to really listen. This week, we're going to talk about this. Question, have you ever been inconvenienced in life? Every time I go to the DMV, there is something I am missing, it is an inconvenience to me, <laughs> but you have been there. Have you felt inconvenience in your life and gotten so wrapped up in that inconvenience that you missed the blessing or you missed the obvious that was right in front of you? I, I have felt that in my life, that I missed out on something because of the result of that. By the way, we can get frustrated with a lot of things, can't we? And when we talk about frustration, it even gives anxiety on the inside for us because I think it pulls us away from listening from some of the things that God wants. You've been inconvenienced before. You have felt frustration before. We feel frustration within our marriage. But you can feel frustration even if you're single or even lonely. Frustration can be there. Frustration comes with our kids or with somebody else's kids. And just saying, but you get the idea. We can be frustrated with our bosses. We can be frustrated with our coworkers. We can be frustrated, and it distracts us from the obvious that's around us, and we can miss something very big because we're focusing on something else rather than what we really need to source our focus on. And we feel that way. Sometimes we think it's just a win just to show up, just to get there, just to be here. It's a win, and that's it, but yet we've missed the whole event. One of my good friends went on a trip with some other single people, and they decided they were going to go to the Grand Canyon and make a big loop out there. And they loaded up with these other single people. And one of the girls that was with them on the trip 
he had an undying love for, and he decided halfway through the trip, he was going to profess his undying love. The, it wasn't shared. <laughs> Let's just say that makes for a long trip home. <laughs> and not only that, when you are standing on the edge <laughs> of the Grand Canyon, that can be something. But he didn't even look at the Grand Canyon. He was fixated on the tree and almost sitting in the car that he missed the obvious of the blessing that was out there that God wanted to show him in his mightiness because he missed it because of the frustration. We get to points like that in our life. And like you and I, I have found myself in that place and so did Job. And that's where we pick up in this story because in chapter one and chapter two, we see a life that is falling apart in the midst of a lot of turmoil, and we think, how much worse can it get? And in chapter three, the problem starts continuing on, and the problem is Job starts talking, and not only that, he gets some friends around him and starts talking with them. And later on, we find out that these people aren't really friends with Job because a friend would back up a brother, but what we see here is they said, Job, you must not be doing life right. Job, you must not be doing life the way God wants. There is something must be wrong in your life. And we're going to talk about legalism next week. And maybe you need to be here for that. Because a lot of times in life, you and I view love based upon what is lovely about us. That we want, we see somebody find something about me that is attractive. Or the way I can shoot a basketball. Or the way that I perform in some way that deems you lovely. And we think that God loves us in the same direction. That's not how God loves and so in a lot of ways, legalism can penetrate our lives. And I want you to come back next week as we talk about that. But understand this, that 2,000 years ago that Jesus came. And he came to bring healing and redemption for you and I because God already saw you as worthy in his creation. There's nothing that is deemable about you. You are his creation. Show up next week. I think you need to hear it. But in Job chapter 3, his friends start talking and say, Job, you must not be doing it right. And they start talking theologi theologically about God. Now, there's nothing wrong about talking theologically about God. There is not, nothing wrong with talking about God. I think we need to have conversation about God. The problem is, is when we stop consulting God in our lives about himself, instead of going to sort it's kind of like talking around the back. Well, I'll talk to one of my friends about this person I have a problem with. And instead of consulting that person that we need to go directly to. And so God is being talked about by all these friends around them. And for 38 chapters, this continues on until God says, all right, enough's enough. God steps in. And here's what it says in chapter 38, verse 1. It reads this way. Then the Lord spoke to Job through the storm. When a storm comes up, do you listen? Well, I get scared. I get frantic. But God speaks in the storm. We see him another moment like this on the Sea of Galilee when we see Jesus and his disciples there on a boat. And they're traveling to the other side and the storm goes up. And what is Jesus doing? He's sleeping in the bottom of the boat. Now, they're worried and frantic, trying to get the sails in, trying not to capsize the boat. And they finally say, wake up, Jesus, wake up. There's a storm going. Can you not see this? Save us. And Jesus gets up and calms the winds and the waves and he turns around to him and says, guys, what are you worried about? You see, they were in the midst of all the storm and in the midst of all that, God was wanting to reveal himself in the storm. Actually, he was wanting to reveal who was in the boat, that this is Jesus. This is the guy who's the center of the story here. This is Jesus and you guys need to hear him and he reveals who Jesus is in the midst of the storm. 
They've seen him perform miracles. They've seen him do miraculous things. But yet they fear again. Remember who this guy is in the boat, and God reveals that his authority is right there. God reveals himself in the midst of a storm. And maybe there are storms in our life, and we worry about them. We get terrified about them. We hate the feeling of hurt. We hate the feeling of doubt. We hate the feeling of worry. And we're going to have moments like that, but maybe we need to see storms as a little bit exciting for us. Why is that? Because we are going to get a clear picture of who God is, and God is going to reveal himself in the midst of the storm. May we as Christians get a little bit excited about turmoil and pain. Now, that's a mature step. Pray for it. But maybe you'd be challenged. Then the Lord answered Job. After 35 chapters, now God speaks. And here's what he says, verse 2. He says, who is it that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Problem number one, Job, you need to listen up. You're dumb. Pay attention. You're dumb here. You're speaking on things that you do not clearly know about. God's listened for 35 chapters. He can't stand to hear anymore. And then God says, verse three, brace yourself, Job, like a man. Notice the shirt. Brace yourself like a man. Get ready to go to the ring. Here we go. King James Version says it this way. Gird your loins, Job. You better bring your A game. You better lace up your Nikes. You better eat your Wheaties this morning. Here we go. Tighten that drawstring, put them up. Here we go. And then he says this in the latter part of verse three. I will question you and you will answer me. God goes off on Job for the next two chapters in chapter 38 and 39 and really in the first part of chapter 40 as well where God lets Job have it. Instead of just allowing Job to go on any further, God begins to question Job. Now every parent understands this moment. Enough is enough. Settling, you all get whippings, here you go. <laughs> Happened this morning in my house. I'm ready, we're good. The belt's warmed up. But you understand the point, don't you? Enough is enough. I'm breaking through here. Where were you when this was created, Job? Where were you when I created the mountains? Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth, Job? And trying to tell Job to get this idea around in his head. This is not about you. This is about me. Has God ever said that to you? Hey, Seth, this is not about you. Here's the deal. Job has to come to his senses. Now, this happened to me in my life once before. There's a place called Oil Belt Christian Service Camp where I third three years during my college summer vacation where I was the lawn boy. That's basically it. 60 acres of lawn. I was in charge of that. It was great. When I got there, the mowing shed, which had all the equipment in there, was a wreck. And so I decided to put it on myself to organize all that. I had it nice and neat. But when I'd come back that next summer, guess what it looked like? And I put a ball back again. And three summers, it went that way. And I was concerned about that, that I went to my dad and I said, it can't stay like this. He goes, Seth, I want you to understand this. Camp was before you, and camp will be here without you. Sometimes we can be entitled about things that are God's. You getting me? That's why my parents impressed upon me never have a plaque put in on anything that has your name on it. Why? Because it's not really yours. Now, I'm not saying anything wrong, and I'm not saying anything about 
not commemorating faithful servants, not saying anything about that. But may we not become entitled where it's all about me when it's all about God. You hear what I'm saying? May you and I come to an understanding. So Job comes to his senses. He goes, okay, I'm sorry. I surrender. My bad. I give. Uncle, uncle, I'm good. And in this moment, we have this connection. And Job answers God, verse 4, I am unworthy. How can I reply? I put my hands over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer twice, but I will say no more. And God responds to Job and says again, shut up and listen, kid. Here we go. We're going again. Verse six, and the Lord spoke to Job in the storm. Brace yourself like a man. I am questioning you and you shall answer me. God told Job some very specific stuff that he needed to do. And Job acted out on it. And here's what it says in chapter 42, verse 12. We read it already. That the Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than he did the first. Job had a life that led to blessing. Why is that? Because he came to his senses. He started seeking and surrendering to the voice of God, which is something that is required of all disciples. It is something that is required of all of us. Job finally learned, it is not what I say about God. It's not even what I think about my God, because here's the truth. Your opinion really doesn't matter much. I know that hurts. Taylor Swift, I don't want to hear it. But here's the deal. Your opinion about football doesn't really matter that much. Job finally learned, it's not what I say about God. It's what God says about himself. It is what God says about me. That's what really matters. And God wants to speak to everyone in this room. He wants to speak to you and I. God wants his voice to be heard. And a popular opinion is that God doesn't speak anymore when that it could be just further from the truth. Here's the deal. If I say that God is speaking, we often become skeptical. God has been speaking to me, church, and everybody goes, oh, hold on here. You feel it. We've heard things like that before. How does God speak to you? God speaks to us in the same way that I believe he speaks to all of us. Now, I might not have a direct line to God in the way that you and I might think, but the same way that he speaks is the same way that he speaks to us all. And I understand, I think God's voice is really as loud as it's ever been. And in fact, I think a lot of the problem is not so much that God doesn't want to talk to us, it's that often we don't want to hear God. How can that be? Well, because we might have a brace yourself, Job, moment, and we don't like the idea of having this brace yourself in the ring with God moment. You and I hear this voice, and today I want us to go for you through things and how God is going to speak to us. One of the main ways I believe that God speaks is through his word and through the Bible. The primary way he speaks to us is in this way, and a lot of people want to hear the voice of God, but do not open their Bibles to even hear what he has already said to you and I. And the seasons in life will be for church people and for everyone in moments where we question what God is saying and where we question scripture. Why? Because we have popular opinion that shouts louder. We have the social around us that speaks louder than what we think God speaks. We'll have moments of that where we'll challenge our opinion and challenge our thinking. 
But oftentimes, we don't have a problem so much with the Bible. We really have a problem with God's authority and what it's supposed to be inside of our lives. Because the Bible is true, and God has all authority, and that means he is going to be holding us to a standard and all of society and all of life and all of world to that same standard. And if I don't want to be held to that standard, what? I call into question the standard. God, is that really what you mean? Are you even there? Do you even care? Now, is it really this way? Maybe we've adapted a little bit. We, maybe we have changed and we're growing. We're progressing when really God says, nope, hang on now. Let's be honest. We all have a problem with authority, don't we? Parents, do your children have a problem with authority? That's why God gave them to you. Because there's a problem with authority. I have a problem with authority. I hate seat belts and speeding signs. I hate both of those things. I think they're restrictive. <laughs> you and I have a problem with authority. And God gave us a word. And when God speaks, he speaks clearly. And it calls us to fall under submission to him. God is not changing his mind about sex. God is not changing his mind about money. God's not changing about the standard of family and what's that lo what that looks like. God is not changing his mind about the things that God has spoken about. And it seems like people have a problem most because they have messed up lives. And when people call me, often they call me with issues. Now, here's the deal. I wish people would call me. Seth, I am living so blessed right now. I, my marriage is great. My kids are great. Things are going well. I love church and I love you. Thank you. Click. Don't get those phone calls. Hey, I got problems. Man, I'm, this thing is messed up. That is messed up. And I hear complaining, and that's okay. We are called to bear with one another. Keep calling. That's good. I, we have problems with this. We have problems with that. We are supposed to bear one another in our burdens. But every time it comes and I hear one of those phone calls, a lot of the time is what I hear is regret, and most of the time it's because they have chosen to do something that is contrary to what God's standard is and not because they are obeying too well. So I want you to start nodding with me, okay? Nod with me right now. It's an activity, all of us together. You can nod your head. There you go. We're not all doing it yet. Nod your head with me. Here's, here's the first one. People that do what the Bible says don't have regrets. Nod your head. People who do what God says do not have regrets. Now keep nodding your head and your biggest regret didn't come because you were following Jesus too closely. Is everybody not? No, it's just me nodding my head up here. But that's truth. That's truth. Here's what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. It says, For the word of God is living and active, that is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates and divides the soul and the spirit, the joint and the marrow. It judges the thoughts and it judges the attitude of the heart. In other words, God is going to speak through his word. We need to open up our Bibles. We need to shut up. We need to listen because God wants to speak to us. Some people read their Bible once and say, well, I'm just the same. Well, the truth is the goal of reading the Bible is not to change the way you feel. No, 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 it's to change the way that you think. And we're gonna let the Bible let us know who Jesus is so that we can become more like him. Here's what Philippians chapter two, verse five says. It says, your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus. We should change to his attitude. In my generation, we have these popular things called WWJD bracelets. You had one? Don't tell me you didn't. They're becoming popular again. How great is that? We got that Christian nostalgia growing. Look how far we've come. 
And the WWJD bracelet says this, what would Jesus do? And I don't have a problem with that. I think we know what Jesus would do because we see the way that Jesus lived. But what was behind what he did? I think it's what he thought. So I wish we would change it to WWJT, what would Jesus think? Not so much in the action of what I do, but maybe I come to the thinking that Jesus did. We always want to hear the word and have it spoken in our lives. May we be listening, may we be looking. May we look around at the people around us who are living that out as well, because I believe there are great marriages that are demonstrated by some people here in this room that I believe that there are some great people out there who see finances the way that God sees them, that people who aren't broke, that people who are tithing, that people are living those out. And I wanna be those people too. I just got my CDL not too long ago and I went to Frina to the elevator and I went the wrong direction off the scale and I had to back up at least a half a mile on this curvy road in front of a whole bunch of other truck drivers. My son was right beside me and there's nothing more of the test of manhood than backing up in front of your dad but in front of a whole bunch of other men and I had my kid, I did not say any cuss words whatsoever. This is a beautiful thing. This is a beautiful thing. It's not a habit of mine, but, but understand this. It was a stressful situation. My kid was sitting right beside me. I handled it like a man because I wanted his dad, he wanted to see his dad succeed. But I wanted my boy to see that his dad can handle stress. You and I need to be an example to people who are in this room of people who live by the word and live by the change that is happening of how we handle things differently because we are growing and let the word saturate our lives. To handle those things in the tough moment. You might be thinking, well, Seth, I'm just not that good at reading. I'm intimidated by the Bible. I got you. 21 days. 21 days. I want you to read the book of Mark. I want you to read the book of John. Read a chapter today in each one. It takes 10 minutes. And after that, I want you to keep on going on and Mark will finish first You'll get that done in almost 16 days and I want you to start reading James and you'll end up on both of them about the same twine. One, 21 days and see if it doesn't change your life. See if it doesn't challenge you and grow you because I guarantee you'll hear the voice of God and the word will be spoken to you. Here's the second thing. The Holy Spirit is how God still speaks to us. Now I want to flip this thing a little bit because some people in church, worship just really the Holy Spirit and that's it. Or they say that you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and I believe that's true. But they judge you based on how full of the Holy Spirit that you are. But we all have the Holy Spirit. And here's the deal. Often we get intimidated when it comes to the idea of the Holy Spirit because sometimes there's been spoken things about him that maybe aren't quite in line with what the Bible says. But the Holy Spirit is talked about in ways that is fire and wind. You put those things together, they are dangerous. So, so understand, there are some things about that that I believe God is going to reveal about Jesus and that's what the Holy Spirit does. It reveals Jesus to us. The Bible says this, if you're a Christian, Ephesians chapter one and verse 13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked with him as a seal, promised by the Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance until the redemption of those who God possesses to the praise and of his glory. If, see, if you are in Christ, understand you have the Holy Spirit living within you. It has marked you. It has sealed you. 
The same Holy Spirit that brought Jesus out of the grave lives in you and will bring you out of the grave. We should be encouraged and we should be inspired by that. God wants to speak to you through the Holy Spirit. Now, let's make it clear that the Holy Spirit never leads you into a direction that is not according to what the Bible says and what God desires. He's not gonna lead you in that way. We do not serve a rogue God. The Holy Spirit is not rogue. So here's the deal. I've heard people say, well, God just wants me to ha- you to be happy. No. God doesn't want you to be happy. God wants you to be holy. God wants you to be like him. He wants you to be intended in understanding that whole, under, that whole mentality. God wants me to, no, God wants you to be holy. I've heard people make excuses before. Well, I know this person that I'm with that I know we're not equally yoked. Do I need that? I'm fighting here this morning, okay? Put them up, brace yourself. Here's the truth. I've heard people say, well, I know that person is probably not right for me, but, but they, they like me and all that, and I know it's not equally, that's probably not what God wants, but God wants me to be happy. No, God wants you to be holy. The Holy Spirit, I prayed about it. He said it was okay. Is it really? My significant other, they, they, they want to go further. They want us to get a little bit more involved sexually. I mean, can, we, can we do that? I asked the Holy Spirit, and he said, it's okay. Listen, you're listening to a spirit, but it's not the Holy One. You and I need to understand that there are things that the Holy Spirit is going to lead us to that are good, that are proper. But maybe you're listening to a spirit, but it's not the Holy Spirit who is concerned about your holiness more than your happiness. Listen to what scripture says about him. First John chapter four and verse one, dear brothers and sisters, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test every spirit to see whether it is from God because many false prophets are going out into the world. Now, do we test the Holy Spirit in its word? Absolutely. Would God ever lead us into a place that is contrary to what his word is? The answer is no. The Spirit of God and the Word of God, they work together. And sometimes we need a refresher course when it comes to this in life because you're gonna be driving down your road and somebody's gonna come to your mind and God is probably placing that who is the Holy Spirit that you probably need to be praying or having a conversation with that person because you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Not only that, when we talk on Sunday mornings and we'll have a friend day, we'll have things coming up, and we'll be asking you to go out and, and to be a disciple who is making other disciples, and somebody comes to your mind that the Holy Spirit is placed there, you need to be having some conversations. You need to be inviting. There are gonna be moments in your life where there's gonna be troubles and there's gonna be a storm, and God is wanting to speak to you, and he holds you the Holy Spirit to do that. But remember how I said these things work in tandem. You need to be having the word of God, fill up your well of your soul in your life. Why? So the, the Holy Spirit bucket can pull up the water that you need in a time when you are thirsty. If we do not fill up the well, what is the Holy Spirit going to bring up? It works in tandem for us, and may we see what the Holy Spirit wants to do for us as God is speaking loudly to our lives. Here's the last thing, the church. We live in a time where being spiritual is often admired, but church is not. And it's common to hear bad-mouthing about church 
all the time. But the book of Acts sees the church, and it wants to pump us up like that church did at that time. And we're going to say things, and we're going to see things here in the local church where we see life that is lived out by the Spirit and by the Word. And we see this happen in the history. We see it in Romans. We see it in First and Second Corinthians. We see it in Galatians. We see it in Ephesians. We see it in Philippians and Colossians. And you and I have heard this. And a lot of times in life, it's like, well, I don't want to go to church. Why is that? Because there's a whole bunch of hypocrites there. Good, there's room for one more. You might as well come. You have permission to say that. That's what Josh taught me. Anyway, may you and I see that. Here's what Ephesians chapter three and verse 10 says. He is intent that now, that through the church, that he manifolds wisdom of God, that we should know the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose to accomplish in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Paul said, the wisdom of God is made known to the church. God is wanting to speak to you and I. So let's get practical. First thing is this. Let's get into our Bibles. As I have said before, and you've heard, you need to get a time, you need to get a place, you need to get a plan. I wanna add one more. You probably need to get a person to walk with this who's been walking for a while. Here's the second thing, let's listen. Because there is hope for the hopeless. We need to listen to the word of God, we need to listen to the Holy Spirit and its action in our lives. We need to listen to the church's call to action to be the church that it's called to be. We also need to be convicted that things can be different and that things need to change and should change. We need to be convicted of by ingesting the truth and repentance needs to become an action in our own life and that growth thing can change inside of you and me. And not only that, we need to be a part of the blessing. Don't miss out on the blessing that God is wanting to give you. But also, don't miss out on being a blessing to somebody else because you've been blessed. Listen, grace yourself. God is wanting to speak to you. May you stand with me. Father God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you so much for the encouragement of your message. We thank you so much for the faithfulness of Job and your faithfulness as God. May we speak the word. May we be so in tune with you, that in tune with your Holy Spirit, in tune with your church, in tune with your voice, because you said your sheep hear your voice. May we hear and may we listen. In Jesus' name, amen.